Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray that the Lord speaks to you as you hear from His Word today. Hey, everybody. Welcome to church. We're so glad you're here. Thanks for joining us around the city, around the country, or even around the world. It's so cool uh, that you're worshiping with us. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, I'd invite you to go and open it to Mark chapter four, Mark chapter four. And if you don't, the the words are also gonna be on the screen here in just a minute. I'm Pastor Matt. I would love to meet you next time we're able to gather together as a church in one location. Uh, I don't know when that will be, but we're certainly praying it's sooner than later. But until then, there's several ways that we can connect even today uh, at the end of my message. The first way is if you go to our website and click on new here, uh, you'll see an option at the end of the message to actually do a live video chat, video conference uh, with me. I'm gonna go right to my computer when I'm done. You can do that via live video. We can and also chat via audio through the website. I would love to meet you. And if it tells you to hang on just a moment, it's possible that I'm talking to someone else, but I would look forward to the opportunity of meeting you after the service today. If you scroll all the way to the bottom of our website, you're gonna see another option, and that is to subscribe to the pastor's all-church email. In this day and age, email communication just continues to be as strong or stronger than ever. And I send an email out to our congregation about 50 weeks a year. It usually goes out around midweek, usually on Wednesday, give or take a day. But I'd love for you to subscribe. You can kind of hear my heart and what's brewing in my heart and in my mind. And I try to share that with you again every week. I thank you so much for being here for the first Sunday of our series because we're gonna launch a series entitled The Final Word on Fear. The Final Word on Fear. I've come to learn that fear not is one of the most repeated commands in all of the Bible. There are some who've said that there's a fear not for every day of the year, 365 fear nots. Well, that's not actually true. There's really only about 107 fear nots or don't be afraids mentioned in the Bible, but the Bible does speak to our fear over 500 times. In the gospels alone, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we find that Jesus speaks about not fearing, to not be afraid, to take heart, to take courage about 21 times. But Jesus in those same four books only mentions loving God and loving others eight times. And so comparing those two just reminds us how important this aspect of fear and how much Jesus wanted to comfort us in our fear, how important it is to the kingdom of God. And so I believe it's important in this season for me to bring this three-part series to give Jesus's final word on fear. Now, before we jump in, I wanna give a couple of clarifying statements. The first statement has to do with the fact that fear and anxiety are actually gifts from God. They're actually gifts from God. There's a, such a thing as healthy fear, or if I could say it loosely, even a, a healthy anxiety. For instance, when our girls were small, and now that our son is eight years old, we're reminding him that it's dangerous to run out in the road. Just the other day, we were passing ball in the front yard, and he darted out, and there was a car coming, and I wanted to put a little bit of healthy fear in him, don't run out in the road. Uh, A driving instructor might do that for a teenager before he or she gets behind the wheel, reminding them of the dangers of texting and driving. It's healthy to have fear while you run from a burning building. 
So there's this healthy aspect of fear, but when we allow it to go unchecked in our lives, when we allow it to run rampant in our lives, it, it can not only lead to sin, but for the sake of the message this morning, I'm burdened that it can also lead to a lot of suffering. When fear and anxiety go unchecked, it can lead to all sorts of issues, drinking binges, withdrawal, OCD, gastrointestinal issues, and so much more. And one other thing that I wanna mention before we start this series, it's important to say this, that some of us are more prone to fear and anxiety uh, than other people. Some of us, it's in our DNA, it's in our genes. We've inherited it from grandma or grandpa. And so some of us are gonna struggle with fear and anxiety more than others. There are others that maybe it's not part of their DNA, but it is part of their story. Maybe you had a traumatic experience as a child. And so now in your years of, as a student or as an adult or as a senior saint, you struggle with anxiety because of something that happened years ago. And so I just wanna encourage you and let you know that none of us are gonna be completely free from temptation, especially the temptation of fear until we get to heaven. That's why Jesus says he's gonna wipe all tears from our eyes. And I wanna encourage you today that if you're struggling with fear and anxiety and you've tried a number of different things and they haven't worked, I would encourage you to see your doctor. I would encourage you to see your counselor because our bodies are, aren't just spiritual. Our bodies are physical and emotional and social and uh, spiritual all wrapped up into one. But I do hope this series helps you take a step in your journey towards finding hope, finding freedom from your fear. Today's message is titled, How to Have Peace in a Storm. How to Have Peace in a Storm. And what I wanted to do is just begin by telling you a story of a storm that my family recently walked through. Two weeks ago, almost to the day, two weeks ago, or by Friday, we were uh, really nervous. We were really uh, scared for my wife. She had struggled with a kidney stone for several days. She was on her third day and she's had them before and, and we weren't really sure. We were hoping that she was gonna be able to, her body was gonna be able to, to take care of it on its own. But finally we checked her temperature and she had 103 temperature. So we called the doctor and Dr. Dean was so good. He, he stopped what he was doing and he had her come right to the hospital. And so we're on our way to the hospital. And, and on the way, uh, uh, my doctor called, our doctor called and she said, just so you know, you're not gonna be able to go in. You're not gonna be able to go in because of what's happening right now in this time of COVID-19. And sure enough, when we got to the hospital, they wouldn't let me in. So here my wife is with a temperature of 103 and we're all watching stories of people that we know or people that we know who know people who are dying because of COVID-19 in this season. And I have to admit, I, I can't remember being that scared in a long, long time. And this was just two weeks ago. And so I, I, I let Sarah in the hospital and I, I kiss her goodbye and I'm driving off and I, I wait there at CAMC until I can't see her anymore. And I have to admit that I just pulled off to the side of the road as soon as I pulled out of the parking lot and I just had to have a good cry. I cried so hard, not only because I was fearful for my wife, but because I loved my wife. I couldn't be there for her. 
but I also cried as I've continued to think about what many of you are going through. Some of you have been in the hospital during this pandemic and you've had to be there alone. And for the first time, it, it hit me what it might be like to be alone. It hit me also uh, uh, some of you who've lost loved ones or some of you who have loved ones battling with cancer and other issues. And so fear was very real to me a couple of weeks ago. I was going through a storm. And, and so when I share this message to you, I do so thankful that the surgery was successful and my wife was healed, was able to heal up. It's been two weeks and she's doing better than ever. I'm so, so thankful for God's grace and good doctors. But some of you aren't out of the storm. Some of you are still walking through the storm. Maybe you're down to your last paycheck or your last prayer. Maybe you're, some of you are afraid of pending layoffs at work or turnovers at headquarters, slowdowns in the economy or downturns in the market. Maybe you're anxious over this virus, over social distancing or the closing of travel, the closing of church services, the closing of theaters and graduations and restaurants and sporting events. Maybe some of you right now are walking through some heavy lawsuits. Maybe you're being sued. Maybe you're going broke. Maybe you just found that spot on your back or that lump underneath your skin. Maybe you're worried that you're not gonna have the money you need or the luck you need or the time you need or the credit you need or the wisdom you need or the education you need or the job you need, whatever it is, you're struggling. Does the Bible have any advice for us? Does God's word offer us any hope when we're tempted and struggling with fear and anxiety? I believe it does. I'm confident that it does. And this morning, I wanna give you three keys, three reminders, three ways to fight your fear, how to have peace in a storm. Look with me in Mark chapter four in verse 35. I love this story. Mark 4:35. That day when evening came, he, Jesus, said to his disciples, "Let us go over to the other side." Talking about the other side of the lake of Gal the Sea of Galilee. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall or storm came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. It was filling with water. Jesus was in the stern, the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drowned? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified. They were in awe at what just happened. And they asked each other, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Three reminders. Here's the first reminder. Remind yourself daily that Jesus caused this storm. Remind yourself daily that Jesus caused this storm. Now let's think about what we just read, putting the story in context. According to Mark chapter four and verse one, Jesus had been teaching all day on the Sea of Galilee. 
He was actually in a boat that wasn't very far from land and he had hundreds, if not thousands, gathered around to hear his teaching. I wanted to show you a picture of the Sea of Galilee. This is one of my favorites. It's actually taken from the, the Mount of Beatitudes. But the Sea of Galilee, we were just there two or three months ago, a group from our church. We're gonna go back in 2022. I hope you can join us. This is probably one of the prettiest parts of the world. I loved it. We plan to go about every two years as a church. But the Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and about seven miles wide. It's the lowest freshwater body uh, on the earth. The Dead Sea, of course, is the lowest point. Uh, that's salt water, but this is freshwater. And I just learned recently that the Sea of Galilee lies in the Great Rift Valley that runs over 4,000 miles from Syria to Mozambique, Africa. It, this is part of that chain. Now, most likely when the disciples were on the Sea of Galilee, they were in a boat that looked something like this, only it was in a lot better shape. I'll just tell you a little bit about this boat. This particular boat is 2,000 years old. It was discovered in the mud during a drought in the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. We were able to see right the exact spot uh, where it was discovered, and it took, uh, took them about 10 years to do all the restoration. Uh, but this boat would have been something similar to the boat that Jesus and his disciples were in on the Sea of Galilee. It's 26 and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, and four and a half feet high. And so picture as they take off across the water and everything is peaceful. Jesus is sleeping in the stern in the back of the boat. Now, it says that he was sleeping on a cushion. Most likely, it was probably one of the bags that were used for the nets. A lot of times, whenever they were out fishing, they would use those bags as cushions for their seats as they rowed across the water. And so Jesus is curled up in this compartment. He is so tired, having taught the entire day, and he's sleeping. But then a violent storm comes out of nowhere. Now, something about the Sea of Galilee that we learned while we were there is that violent storms are common for the Sea of Galilee. It sets about 700 feet uh, below sea level, sets below 700 feet below sea level, and the mountains above it, just outside of it, the mountains of Hermon, are about 9,000 feet above sea level. And so the cold air from the mountain connects with the warm air of the Sea of Galilee, and it experiences big storms. The night that we spent on the Sea of Galilee or just at a hotel right on the coast, uh, a storm came in and it was, it was amazing, it was huge. Sometimes there's 10 foot waves, especially in the evening. And so picture the disciples, how scared they must have been. These were professional fishermen, scared out of their minds. They're bailing water, their boat is filling up. And Jesus is asleep. Now, this is not by accident. Jesus did nothing by accident. And so it seems as though that he had taught them through words all day long, and now he's teaching them through experience. I'll ask you, have you ever been in a storm, something similar to what these disciples experienced? I haven't, at least not on the water, but I know that even water without a storm can make you seasick. 
one of my close friends, he has uh, several daughters and his daughters are now all married and they have children. And uh, he's a pastor here in the area. And he was telling me that when they went deep sea fishing recently on vacation, uh, that his son-in-laws decided to play a prank on him. It was the day before they were gonna, the night before they were gonna go fishing and his son-in-laws told him that the secret to not getting seasick is to eat as much as you can the night before and the morning of. And so that night he stuffed himself until he couldn't eat anymore. He said the next morning he got up and he had fried eggs and scrambled eggs and bacon and sausage. He ate everything he could possibly eat because his son-in-laws had told him the key to not being seasick is to eat a lot. Well, needless to say, when it got out on the water and the waves started rocking, he learned that it was actually a prank. Uh, that's not the way to not be seasick. That's actually a great way to feed the fish. That's all I'm gonna say about that. But maybe you're not going through a, a windstorm per se right now, but I know I'm speaking to people. I'm speaking to someone right there. You're going through another storm of life. I've heard it said that in life, you're either going into a storm, you're in a storm, or you're coming out of a storm. Jesus said in John 16, in this world, you will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. Now, Matthew 24, Jesus tells us what we can expect in the last days. And I believe we're living in the last days. Jesus said in Matthew 24, as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him and they said, tell us, when will this happen? And what will the sign of your coming in the end of the age be? Jesus answered, you will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. And they're certainly happening every day in our world, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. Interesting, that word nation is ethnos. Ethnicity will rise against ethnicity. Racism, people will forget there's only one race. It's the human race. But nations and ethnic groups will rise against ethnic groups and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines. Another word for that is plagues. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of the birth pains. At that time, many will turn away from the faith. How real is that? And will betray and hate each other. Wow. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness. The love of most will grow cold. Unfortunately, Jesus' followers in this broken world can still contract the coronavirus. Christians in this world can still, unfortunately, have the experience of burying a child. Christians in this world still battle addiction. They still face fears, but it's not the absence of the storm that sets us apart. It's who we discover while we're in the storm that sets us apart. It's with whom we're journeying through the storm's of life. And so my first goal in this sermon is to remind you that Jesus is sovereignly in control. Just as Jesus planned the storm for the disciples, Jesus in some way that we can't fully understand plans and causes for his glory and our good 
the storms in our lives. Saying that Jesus is sovereign means that he is all governing. He can do, and in fact, he does do all that he decisively wills to do. God either directly wills things that he personally does, or he indirectly wills things that he allows Satan or nature to do. But there is no force outside of God that can thwart or frustrate his will. When God decides for a thing to happen, it happens. Or to put it another way, everything happens because God wills it to happen. Now, Moses understood this. We see it in Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. Moses said, recording God's words, God said, see now that I myself am he, there is no gods beside me. I put to death and I bring to life. I have wounded and I will heal and no one can deliver out of my hand. Job also learned this through a time of suffering. I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. Isaiah knew this and wanted to communicate it to the people of God. Remember the former things, those of long ago. He quoting God, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times, what is still to come. And then lastly, the apostle Paul, he said in Ephesians, Ephesians chapter one, in him, we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. There's so much more we could say about that, but I wanna encourage you and draw your mind to the notes. You can get our notes online. You can get our notes on the app. They're linked here in the sermon page. We'll make them available on our social media. But if you look at our notes, the notes for this message, I've listed a, a good almost half a page of references that you can look at showing that God is in charge even of the storms. But it's that confidence it's that rock solid faith that gives us the strength to go through the storms when we know that God is in charge. Now, there are some who say that God doesn't cause the storms, but God can only deliver you through the storms. Now, that sounds really, really good. It sounds great. It would make a nice postcard or a nice doily in your home. But the problem is it's not what the Bible teaches it's actually heresy. Because you see, if we say that God isn't in control and God didn't cause the storms, but God is strong enough only to deliver you from the storms, how do we know that God is strong enough to deliver you from the storms? If something has ultimate power over God, then what kind of God do we serve? But the Bible teaches that when you're going through fear, when you're going through anxiety, remind yourself daily Jesus caused this storm. Those are hard words to say, easier to teach and preach, harder to live, but I'm confident that's the first key of finding peace in the storm. The second key, we see it in this text. Jesus, number two, cares for me in the storm. Remind yourself daily that Jesus cares for me in this storm. 
when the disciples were afraid, they shook Jesus. They, they tried to awaken Jesus. They, but in the process, they said something to Jesus that I had never seen before prior to studying for this message. And all the years I've grown up in church and Sunday school, I know I've read it, I know I've seen it, but it never quite jumped off the page like it did this week. Notice what they say in verse 38 of Mark chapter four. They say, Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we drown? Now, Jesus, again, in the stern, he's in the back of the boat. He's sleeping probably on that, that uh, knapsack. He's sleeping on that bag where the nets were held, probably sleeping in that compartment where the nets were kept. And when it says that the disciples woke him and they said to him, what they're about to say reveals what's in their heart. That's the way it is with us. If you stick around someone long enough, you'll know what's in their heart about what comes out of their mouth. And so we know that in their hearts, they were doubting the care and the love of God because that was the first question they asked him. Don't you care that we're in this storm? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever wondered how could God be a loving God and allow this to happen in my life? If you've ever wondered that, how do you combat that? Or, or what answer do you give? Well, I think the answer that we need to give ourselves is to remember that Jesus does care. We need to remind ourselves that Jesus does care for me, even in the storm. John, who was also on that boat, years later wrote the epistle of John, one of the epistles of John, 1 John 4, 18. And he writes this, 1 John 4, 18, there is no fear in love. Again, he was on that boat that day. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. John learned that to know that Jesus cares and Jesus loves is the only way to combat your fear. We see it here in Romans chapter eight in verse 32. Paul says, he who did not spare his own son, talking about God the father sent Jesus to die on the cross. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies he continues, who then is the one who condemns? No one, Christ Jesus who died, more than that who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written for your sake, he's about to quote the Old Testament prophet, for your sake, we face death all day long. We're considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul was, he wasn't being a, an optimist, a blind optimist. Paul was saying, life is hard. We might have to give our lives for the gospel. And even if we don't have to give our lives for the gospel, certainly our lives are gonna be filled with suffering. He says, no, even in the suffering, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, 
nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. This week, I was reminded of an occasion as a kid. I can remember, it's one of my probably core memories as a kid. I was probably five or six. And I remember being in a storm with dad. We were fishing at River Lake in St. Albans, not far from where uh, Johnny and a couple others on our staff uh, live in that area. We were fishing, having a great time. And I remember my mom dropping us off and her and my sister were gonna go on to Kmart uh, back when we had a Kmart in St. Albans. And so they dropped us off and we started fishing and a storm came up. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I could probably, if the tree's still there, I could probably take you to the tree uh, that we sat under. And dad pulled me up under this big old tree and it was just storming and the rain was coming down and thinking back it, it, he must've known that we would have been safe. I guess there wasn't lightning, but it just seemed in my mind this, this big storm. And I remember being scared and I can still remember dad holding me in his arms as just a little boy. We had our fishing tackle boxes, our fishing poles laying on the ground. And then dad started telling me jokes. He's holding me in his arms and he's telling me jokes. I'm not gonna repeat those jokes because one, they're pretty cheesy. And two, there's something only for me in my memory. But I can still remember the jokes he told, getting me to laugh and helping me feel like everything was gonna be okay. You see, because I knew my father was there, because I knew he was there and he cared, I was able to make it through the storm. And today I want you to know that your father is there and he cares and you can make it through the storm. Whatever it is you're going through, you are not alone. God hasn't left you alone. God doesn't want you to feel alone. He is there with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you, he says, Hebrews 13, five and six. And so you can be confident that though he slay me, yet I will trust in him. Jesus cares for me. Tell yourself that. Jesus cares for me in this storm. I've heard stories in the Fox's Book of Martyrs of those who've given their lives for the gospel. There was one particular instance in the Fox's Book of Martyrs where a gentleman was going to the stake, be burned at the stake for his testimony. And thankfully, the fire was started, but before it consumed him, the fire was put out. The governor had made a decree, had given him a pardon, and the delivery man was late to give the message. And so the gentleman didn't die. And after he came to, he, he asked those who were around him, he said, didn't you see that man with me in the fire? And they said, sir, there was nobody with you in the fire. He goes, oh no, there was somebody with me in the fire. And he was taking a wet cloth and he was dabbing my face and helping me to fight back the pain. Didn't you see the man with me in the fire? And they thought he was hallucinating, but I don't think he was hallucinating. I think Jesus was right there with him because Jesus wants you to know that he cares for you in the storm. There's one more reminder, something to remind yourself every day And I saved this one for last. Number three, Jesus will carry me out of the storm. Number three, Jesus will carry me out of this storm. 
In this particular story, it all moves to this moment. This is kind of like the, the, death, the death Star explosion in Star Wars. It, it moves to this moment and we see it in Mark chapter four and verse 39. The disciples are scared. They're asking Jesus, don't you care? And Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind and said to the waves, quiet, be still. Now, when I hear those words, I think almost like Jesus calling down a dog. We've got two dogs at our house. One of them is a puppy. He's a very large puppy. He's growing and growing every day, eating us out of house and home. But we're constantly having to tell Sabi, be still, be quiet. And Jesus, just like commanding a puppy dog, he says, quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. Notice his simplicity. Jesus didn't roll up his sleeves. Jesus didn't raise his wand. There were no incantations. He simply spoke to creation and it obeyed. This particular story, this true story in the life of Jesus reminds us of the gospel. It points all over to the gospel story. It reminds us, first of all, that God creates. You see, for us to look at this and think, could this really happen? Could Jesus really have that kind of power over the wind and the waves? We think that until we remember that God created everything. According to Colossians 1, 16 and 17, it was actually Jesus who created everything and sustains everything. And so when you stop to ask, where did this world come from? How did all this get here? Once you get to the fact that it had to be created out of nothing by the living God, then stopping a little storm on the Sea of Galilee is no problem. God creates, but also sin breaks. Why is the world groaning like it is? Why are there natural disasters? Why is there death? Romans chapter eight says it's because of sin. Sin breaks. The sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and, and our sin alike has broken this world and has broken us from the inside out. You know that you're broken. I know that I'm broken. Something's not quite right. Why is it that I always want my way and not somebody else? Why am I tempted like I'm tempted? Why, do I, why is sin so easy and obedience so hard? It's because we're broken. But thankfully, Jesus saves. Jesus came into this broken world and was born. Jesus came into this broken world and lived a perfect life. Jesus came into this broken world and died on the cross to save you from your sins. And he rose the third day. And this particular story has a lot of resemblance to the story of Jonah. You see, Jonah in the Old Testament, we find that both Jesus and Jonah were in a boat overtaken by a storm. Both were asleep. The descriptions of the storm are almost identical. In both cases, there was a miraculous divine intervention and the sea was calmed. In both cases, the sailors were in awe after the storm. In both cases, somebody gave their life to save somebody else. Now in Jonah's case, according to Jonah chapter one, he told the sailors to throw him overboard. And as soon as he did, the sailors were saved. He was in disobedience. But in Jesus's case, he remained in the boat. You say, Matt, that's not a parallel story. Well, Jesus might not have been thrown overboard in the boat, but just like Jonah gave his life to save those sailors from the wrath of God, 
Jesus gave his life several years later on a cross to save us from the wrath of God. All of our sin, all of our disobedience, all of our lying, all of our stealing, all of our hate, all of our anger, all of our lust was all placed upon the back of Jesus. Jesus took our sin to pay our price. And that's why the gospel of Matthew records that Jesus said, I am the greater Jonah. I'm like Jonah, but I'm the greater Jonah who will save you from your sins. This story reminds us that Jesus transforms, but that one day God will restore. Just as God calmed the waters, there's coming a day that God is going to calm the waters of planet earth. He's actually gonna create a new heavens and a new earth. You can read all about it in the last two chapters of Revelation. But when you read it, you'll find that God promises to wipe every tear from our eyes. As you're going through your trial and your fear right now, you, you may be thinking, well, well, Matt, things aren't working out well for me. I'm, I'm trying to be a follower of Jesus. I consider myself a follower of Jesus and, and things aren't working out well yet. Maybe you've heard that for Christians, all things are gonna work out in the end. I heard someone say that, well, then if things aren't working out for Christians, then this must not be the end. And this isn't the end. We're in the middle of a world of suffering, but Jesus invites us. Jesus wants us to be reminded of several things. Look at these three things with me. Jesus reminds us every single day to remember that he caused this storm. Jesus caused this storm. Jesus cares for me in this storm and Jesus will carry me out of this storm. There are several ways that you can remind yourself of this. One way is you can just remember these three things. Jesus calls it, Jesus cares, and Jesus will carry me. Another way is maybe you can write it down, put on a post-it note by your mirror. But we wanna give you a free tool. If you go to our website today or our app, there's actually a wallpaper that you can use on your phone, your tablet, or your computer that's been designed with these three points. And so every single day when you pick up your phone, you turn on your computer, you look at your iPad, you can remember Jesus calls the storm. Jesus cares for me in the storm and Jesus will carry me out of this storm. It may not be today. It may not be until heaven, but he made you a promise. Will you pray with me right there where you sit? God, thank you for the opportunity to speak and for the opportunity to be reminded of the story of Jesus. I pray today that you would help us remember that you create all things. You're sovereignly in charge of all things. You created the storm, but you care for us in the storm. And one day, either in this life or in the life to come, you promise to carry us out of the storm. In Jesus' name, amen. I wanna encourage you today again to hop on our website at the top left corner. You can click on uh, new here. I'm gonna go to my computer right now. I'd love to chat with you. Can't wait to meet you there. Have a great week. Once again, thank you for joining us this week. We look forward to serving you in next week's podcast, along with our weekend services every Sunday morning at 9 and 11 a.m.